Okay, you guys, so today we're talking about homeschooling and I have to start this out by saying I'm very, like I don't think public school should be an option for Christian parents. And we're gonna get into that, but the Washington Post just did an article on homeschooling last week. And even with as pro-homeschooling as I am and as Elisha and I are, they got some things right as far as some concerns to look out for when it comes to homeschooling your children. So today we're going to talk about those. If you guys enjoyed this episode, give it a thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. And if you are listening to the audio version, then thank you so much for taking the time to write a rating or a review on iTunes. And I actually just found out that you guys have been doing that over on Spotify too. So thank you so much. I didn't even know that was an option. Um, And so it meant an extra lot that you guys were taking the time to do that over there on Spotify. It helps this podcast get out to more people. And we really appreciate it because you guys are the ones that allow us to do what we love to do, which is be sitting here at six in the morning (laughs) talking to you guys. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Well, Katie, here we are. And I think we're going to get the flow down with this whole morning recording thing. We are. Well, I'm feeling a lot more awake than last time we filmed. You look great. You sound great. I, this, this morning, I felt like I was the one that was behind. And I did not pace myself in my morning properly uh, to be ready for recording. But it's all right. <laughs> Well, here we are. It doesn't, we're, yeah, we're here and we're excited to be talking about homeschooling. Uh, I always, it's kind of fun to see how homeschooling has gotten picked up by the mainstream media because it's such a thing now. And the stats in this Washington Post article were saying that homeschooling um, has gone up by 51%, which is a ton. And this was just based off of the different areas that they were surveying. And then and that was like in a particular time frame that it had gone up to one percent. Yes, and I don't know what those yeah. details are. I'm I mean, not roughly the last five years. I think it was like starting in 2018. Okay, through the present. There you go. Elisha's just showing how he's got his facts. Well, no, I was just <laughs> when you said it's gone yeah. up 51 percent, I was just curious as to when and how. You know. Yeah, this is kind of how our conversations go. I bring up a stat, and he's like, "Okay, so." Give me some more information now, about that. This is what happens when stats or data is brought up in the conversation. Both of us know neither one of us value probably the data that's being talked about. I think especially since 2020, I mean, even before 2020, people would bring up studies or data to either support their point or to tear down their opposing point of view. And you just kind of tune out. You're just, it just becomes white I noise. I stopped caring about numbers because you can find a... You can find a, a study to support whatever you believe. Mm. So we all know, though, that that somewhere along the line, homeschooling's increased. You guys know people who had their kids in public school or even a private school and took them out and began homeschooling them within the last few years. Mm. And so this is something that all of a sudden people are caring about a lot more are the regulations with homeschoolers and how that's going to look for our country in the years to come. And uh, for the first time in a really long time, <laughs> don't, don't ask me the year, uh, enrollment in public schools have seen a decrease hmm. in enrollments. So I'm thrilled about that statistic because, again, if from a Christian 
if we are Christians, our children should not be sitting in a godless environment all day long. Like it doesn't matter what you believe about their education or or how great the teachers are or what a social great school district is or yeah, social interaction. It doesn't matter. Our children sitting under uh, you know, it's like if you were a Jew and you're sending your kids to a Roman school all day long, mm. like and they come back as a Roman. Yeah. The Vody Bauckham quote. Yeah, right? what is it? I think okay, well, yeah, now I'm the one that brings it up. What does he say? He <laughs> says, Don't be surprised when you send your when you send your kids to Caesar that they come back as Romans. Maybe something oh, like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my bad paraphrase of his. Uh, quote. I think I don't think I said it properly <laughs> either. <laughs> uh, but again, you guys get that idea of I mean, if we're sending them to a godless society, don't be surprised if they come back godless. And we are really seeing that with our young people in the church. So regardless of whether that is homeschooling them or sending them to a private Christian education, um, they just need to be being educated from a Christian worldview. That is the most important thing. Yeah. And like you said, uh, you know, the, the data supports it, but I think everybody knows there's been an increase uh, in homeschooling based off of just your sphere. It's like everybody I feel like knows 20 more families that, that used to public school that are now homeschooling. And something that, like you said, that's exciting. We're advocates of homeschooling, but more than advocates of homeschooling, we're, we're advocates of Christian education. And I think the reason that this is um, interesting is because really I think the public school got to a uh, maybe a tipping point in a lot of people's minds where there's where they're like, man, all this, uh, gender stuff like this, uh, this political ideology, the, the, it's becoming so overt, right? Like the, it's becoming so aggressive and, and that is good that they're realizing that. But I think a lot of people are, are backing up many, many years, decades. And they're saying, well, it was a problem when they took God out however many decades ago. And, and they, and all of a sudden the sciences and, you know, and math and English, all of those were being taught from a godless worldview from a, from a secular and then eventually pagan worldview. And yes, it's good. It's, it's, these are good reasons to pull your kids out, but the reasons were there long before, you know, the, the LGBTQ plus stuff started, you know, coming out and all the political stuff started being infused into the, into the schools, um, yeah, I like how you use the word pagan because I think often we use the term secular and secular seems like a pretty amoral term. Yeah, you almost think neutral. Yeah, right? where it's pagan. It is pagan. So anyways, just if you have your kids in public school right now, I know a lot of our listeners do, but that's just where we're coming from. And obviously the Lord has to guide you as a parent and there's no condemnation or anything, but I would consider you to strongly consider what you're doing. Um, with your kids, because I do think it's very important now more than ever. Uh, but one of the one of the concerns that the Washington Post brought up, which a lot of people are going to bring this up, and I think it's actually very valid, and that is um, homeschool students don't have to submit any forms of testing in a lot of states mm-hmm. for their academics. And so there's not any accountability for this. And, you know, to quote one of the people quoted in the article, they said, wow, that's a lot of kids. We need to worry about whether or not they're learning anything. And I don't believe that the government needs to be the ones regulating our children's education. But I do think that a lot of parents 
do not take homeschooling their children seriously. Hmm. And I do think that there's a lot of children that because there's no accountability for the parent, parents aren't necessarily feeling the full weight of that responsibility that maybe we should feel. Hmm. And children are not having a great education Hmm. when it comes to academics. And I say that growing up in the homeschool community. Like Elisha and I were both homeschooled. And we should have said that at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> All the way through. Born into a homeschooled family and will die in a homeschool family. Uh, that is interesting, Katie, because, yeah, at first I like every, you know, my, my body tenses up when I think of there being regulation from a state or a federal level or even just like a local level when it comes to how you educate your kids how you educate your children, especially when I, when I read that and, and the people advocating for regulation were not the people I want regulating yeah, my education no. and my, my initial instincts like, well, the, how's that working for you over in the public schools? You know, cause that's another thing that like, okay, you're worried about our kids education. Like how, what kind of results are you producing over there? Uh, and so that was kind of like my knee jerk reaction. But then yeah. after hearing you say that, I have to agree that be, because I think of some, extremely well-meaning Christian homeschool advocates, they will try to empower mothers and fathers by saying, hey, all that matters are really you just need to be discipling your children, bringing them up in the faith and get them out of that godless uh, situation. And, And so they will almost diminish academics because a lot of parents will feel ill-equipped right? To, to, that's a big reason why parents who don't homeschool yeah. is they're like, I, I don't feel equipped to give my children a proper education. And then Christian advocates of homeschooling will come in and they'll, and they'll be like, you're more than enough, which I do, which I think everybody is capable and they are more than enough. And, and they're kind of like pitched to encourage more people to homeschool. They'll diminish the value of education and they'll diminish even the need for that being a, a, a primary reason, a primary emphasis of your homeschooling. And they'll say, it's just about their heart, train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you know what, hopefully they, they learn how to read or they'll figure out the basics. And there's a lot of kind of throwaway sentences, even things like, well, the sciences don't matter. Or, you know, the, if, as long as they get to eighth, eighth grade math, they're fine. Like that's all you use in real life. Uh, and, and I, and I think that there are some misconceptions around that. And it does over time potentially do our kids a disservice. Yeah. And the last thing I would want to do, like Elisha said, a lot of us, I mean, I've definitely been there and I will be there again, where I feel insecure being our children's primary instructor when it comes to academics in the home. And I look at my own insufficiencies when it comes to academics. And I feel like I can't do this. Someone else needs to do it for me. And when you have a lot of kids, putting them in private schools gets super expensive. And I see why people go the public route where you feel like those boxes are going to be checked over here. Hmm. And then you can just be that person in the role of teaching your children the faith. But I feel like when it comes to a public education or when it comes to a homeschooled education or a private school for that matter, Elisha and I have talked about this where we see the pattern. It really comes down to the parents if a child is going to be academically successful, uh, exceptional, or? yeah, successful, it really comes down to the home environment in both of those scenarios. Hmm. Or there are those fluke cases where a child just wants something really, really, really bad and is going to seek out what he needs to get where he needs to go. 
And, and there are those stories where a kid grows up in like a terrible home environment and he just claws his way Mm -hmm. to success on his own. But for the most part, regardless of who's educating your child, it's really that home environment and what the parents are prioritizing and what the parents are uh, instilling into their children that's going to determine whether that child falls through the cracks in a public school system or falls through the cracks academically in a homeschooling environment. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And like when I think of the people I grew up with that, and and our, our mothers were amazing. They are brilliant, bright, well-educated women. And both of them, for the, a duration, a big period of their homeschooling time felt ill-equipped to homeschool their kids. And so I don't think the feeling of being ill-equipped is usually valid. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is a place for people speaking into mothers and to fathers and to qu- quiet those lies that they're telling themselves or that they're hearing from outside voices, maybe in-laws, you know, whether it's your mother-in-law or it's your, it's your aunts and your uncles. And they're saying, well, what about your kid's education? You know, you only have, you only went through this much of college or you didn't even go to college or how are you going to be able to instruct them? And I, I, I want to be a voice for sure to those mothers Mm -hmm. and fathers being like, no, 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 no. You do have what it takes. I don't want to diminish academics and say, well, no, you have what it takes because school doesn't matter. It's because, I mean, when we're talking seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, you do have what it takes. And here's the deal. The support in the str- and the infrastructure that's now developed for homeschoolers is is off the charts. Like it's yeah. it's it's almost overwhelming, actually, now, as opposed to when our mothers were homeschooling us, where there was just a handful. It's like you could which which one of the, what, there was like three options to find support and curriculums um, with. And so now there's so much support. And, and with that becomes a whole, you know, array of, I think, decisions and dilemmas, but I'm with you, Katie, babe. I don't want to, on the flip side, say, no, you know, academics is so important. If you don't have, if you're not a qualified, you know, licensed teacher, then you shouldn't be teaching your kids. That's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah, no, totally. I think that the danger comes when there is this blanket statement where, a homeschooling parents will say, I know what's best for my child. Hmm. And Elisha and I are big advocates of empowering parents because at the end of the day, you're the primary, you have all the responsibility on your shoulders. God put all the responsibility on our shoulders for our children. And we can't just sign off for other people making those decisions for them. But I think that there can come some pride in these statements sometimes. Hmm. And I know that we have to be careful to fight this where we don't always know what's best for our children. We need to seek the Lord and first and foremost and his wisdom. We also need to seek counsel for what's best for our children because just us in and of ourselves as a single human, we are infallible and we can make... Or we're fallible. We, oh, yeah, yeah, we are infallible. We are fallible and we can absolutely make damaging decisions for our children or overlook things because they're just right in front of us. And so we don't see the gaps or we don't see the things that they're struggling with. And so while I feel like, yes, we're very close to the heartbeat of the home and we feel the pulse and we are the ones who carry that ultimate ultimate responsibility and that shouldn't be handed over to anyone else, nor should it be dictated by anybody else, especially not the government. I think that we need to have the parents that I see do really well are the ones who are humble enough to take input from others and not just say, Hey, I'm a child's parent. I know what they need. Yeah. 
I think that's just a rule for life. Yeah. If, you, if you're yeah. going to excel in any field and if you're going, going to reach levels of, of success, you have to have a teachable spirit and you have to have humility and come to the, come to the table knowing you don't have all the answers. And, and I think that it is good, Katie, to identify it is our responsibility and the weight is on our shoulders, but it, it's then our responsibility to seek outside help when, when we need it mm-hmm. and to be the, that we are the ultimate gatekeeper and we are, like you said, we hold the responsibility. So we're never going to, you know, pass that off or abdicate that responsibility, uh, or, or we shouldn't anyways. Uh, but I, I like what you said because it is so, it is so easy to, uh, I guess when, <laughs> so lack of sleep catching up to you. I don't even know what I was going to say. You don't? Yeah. That's why I was saying so many things without saying anything. I was like, because I had a thought. And I was like, man, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And I was like, I think it's just gone That's forever. That's the first time I've ever seen you bail because usually you come to a conclusion. That's why I kept talking because I was like, I this happens all the time to me, but the thought always comes back. And so I just kept talking and kept talking. <laughs> I was like, I think it, think it might have left forever. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my goodness. That was great. Oh, I'm glad to know that you are fallible too, because I really thought that you had it all together. Yeah. That was humbling that experience right there because, oh yeah, that's right. We were talking about being teachable and having a spirit of humility, but yeah, as a parent, both of our parents exhibited that they exhibited humility and, and a teachable spirit. And this is, it's just across the board as a Christian, like, okay, I don't have all the answers. I can be confident. Our, all of our confidence is in the perfect work of Jesus Christ. And then when we are then applying that, applying the Christian life, we need to look to him. We need to look to his word as the ultimate authority. And then we need to look to the body of Christ, which he has given us to function here as his church, as his bride, not as isolated, autonomous beings, but as one body. And and so there are going to be people, whether it's in your immediate network, your immediate community, or people that you're not close to, but they wrote a book, you know, and they they live states away or they live in a different country, but they wrote a book that really speaks into your life from a Christian worldview around academics, around training your children. You need to have a teachable spirit. And, And that is a scary, that is a scary attitude to feel in yourself or in other parents. And that is this, like I said, my knee-jerk reaction when I was reading this article. And again, this isn't from a Christian worldview. So, you know, I feel a little bit more validated in this having that so reaction. No, <laughs> but that, what do you, what do you know? What, what, who do you, who are you to speak to how I'm going to raise my kids? And I felt that in myself when I was reading that. And again, it's not that anybody has the authority, but they do have insight and they do have wisdom. And then it's incumbent upon us to be receptive to that insight and to that wisdom. And we should, I don't think ever have this stuck up or closed down attitude. I think we can have a protective heart and protective mm-hmm. attitude. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. These are my kids. You know, I, I'm going to definitely seek the Lord and do what I feel is best. You can be protective, but you also need to be open to the possibility that there's a better way or that you might be wrong in a certain situation. Yeah. I know that I, want to seek to always grow in that and you've been you've really helped me in that area because I have knee-jerk reactions all the time and you're like whoa 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 let's just see what the truth is in this situation and take the bit of truth in there and I really respect that about you but something that going back to this um what I feel the Washington Post is right about is they are they're saying 
whatever these parents decide to do that are homeschooling their kids, we are going to see over the next 5, 10, 15 years. And it is out of control of their hands. And so like the government, it's out of the control of the, of the government currently. And I do think they're right and that how we are educating our children, how you are educating your children is going to be seen. We don't know the results of this yet for the next five or 10 years, but right, the government solution to everything is, well, like, kind of like a controlling parent. Well, we want to take control of it and we want to standardize it. Yeah. And so then we, we will know, which they won't, you know, but it's, they want to try. Yes. And I don't think that's the right answer to it, but I think that the right answer just relies on each family, each home taking very seriously the education of our children, because these are going to be the adults that are leading our society in a very short amount of time. Mm. And okay, I just got to say, as Christians, we have to stop living like it's the end of the world. We have to stop parenting like it's the end of the world. I don't care if you think it's the end of the world. I have a, a very dear friend who told me um, that she wasn't sure when the end of the world was going to be, but it was going to be within the next four years for sure. And that was five years ago. And I've had people calling up my mom uh, telling her it's going to be the end of the world since I was, you know, 13, 14 years old and we were putting grain in buckets. And while I think preparedness is excellent and we've got grain in buckets uh, right next to us as, oh, yeah. as we speak, since that period of time, I've grown up, I've become an adult, I've had children, I'm now educating my children. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. We don't know what generation is going to see anything Really, we don't know what, what God has in store for the next generations. And we have to parent with a multi-generational mindset, not, okay, we have to teach our children to hide in the woods and just be capable of skirting around the government. We need to be raising children who are able to impact the government. I want your child to be the governor so that I'm not dealing with the governor that we have right now, or your child to be the president or the lawmakers or the policy um, makers and or just the spokespeople for Christianity. Mm. And with that, like with those goals in mind, we could do so much as believers if we had these bigger goals and these goals of our children educating their children and not just stopping with us and getting our kids to 18 years old semi-capably so that they can, you know, provide for a family those, those are good things, but that's very baseline. Mm -hmm. And if we want to have impact as Christians in society, our goals need to be bigger than that. They need to be broader than that. Our children need to be able to communicate effectively. They need to be able to have logical you know, and critical thinking skills, which they need math for that. Yeah. They need to be able to have good grammar and write, and they will stick out like a beautifully a beautiful thumb, not a sore thumb. A beautiful rose, a flower. A beautiful rose in this culture that is texting and cannot spell or do or do grammar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't judge me as I'm communicating this poorly. Uh, no, I want to continue to grow and learn in these areas too. Yeah. So anyways, they need to be able to read, like read and comprehend and be able to read things above a fourth grade level because... You want them to be able to communicate at a higher level than that. And mm. their vocabulary needs to be beyond that. And they need to be able to, when policymakers are writing things, they need to be able to understand it, not just 
stare at it and go cross-eyed, you yeah, know? and sign on the dotted line. Yeah. yeah, or say, I'm not going to vote because that's dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I see this, this pullback from homeschoolers to like, we're going to do the bare minimum academically so that, because all that really matters is our kids' faith in Jesus and they need to get married and have kids one day. And it's like, okay, that's cool, but like, that is not where I feel like our sights should be set. Yeah, well, those statements, I mean, you struck on a, a few things, Katie, that I think are, are very profound. And even that statement, all that matters is our kids' e- eternal security in Christ Jesus. And I think that matters the most, but saying it's all that matters is, is false. Because if that's all that matters, why are we doing anything else ever? Like, why are we still alive? And I remember asking that question, and a lot of, and a lot of people do when they come to faith, and then they're still living here in this world. They're like, why am I even here again? Like, all that matters is being in eternity. And you're like, wait a second, apparently that's not all that matters. And and I think that we need to stop. That is the most important thing. So when we look through the hierarchy of how we are educating our children, our faith in Christ and what he's done on our behalf and, and the word of God is paramount. And that's the foundation. And that's what we care the most about, but it's not all we care about. And then when you were talking about the end of the world thinking, I, it's so funny because it finally struck me. I was like, you know, that's probably been very prominent in the homeschooling community since as long as I can remember. And especially now with a lot of people since 2020 turning to homeschooling, it probably has been a very, it's not an aggressive move. It's not a proactive offensive move. It's been a, a very defensive and a, re, and a retracting move. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're not thinking, man, we're going to raise influencers and people that are capable to go engage in society is very much, we're going to protect our kids. And like you said, whether or not they're physically heading for the Hills, there is this mentality of hunker down, wait it out. And, and then we'll all be in glory with Jesus. And I tell you what, I am looking forward to a sinless place to heaven, to being united with my creator and with, with all Christians there. But like Katie said, we have no clue when that's going to happen. And we all know people that it were convinced it was three years ago. We all know people that were convinced that it that was convinced that it was 20 years ago and, and, and so on. And when you have that mindset in educating and bringing up your children, you're not having a multi-generational mindset, which the Bible commands us to have when it comes to raising our children. And so I think that's really insightful, Katie, that, it, that you have to, a lot of this saying things don't matter in school or in academics or really just in this world does kind of come from, I, I think a lot of it can stem. I know it has for me when I've been in that frame of mind, it's, it's been, it's, it's been really hard to value the next day. It's mm-hmm. been hard to value going to work. It's hard to value exercising your body when, when you're in the mindset of like, man, I'm just waiting for him to, to take me home for his return. So yeah, that's good insight. <laughs> I think anyways I'm glad you said it because I was like oh you're right well, we agree so that's nice yeah exactly that's why I liked it uh but when I while I say these things to like try to call myself up as an educator try to call you up as an educator uh I just you're capable of finding the right resources for your kids to do this I don't think anyone else is more capable than you are but I think that we need to constantly be learning and growing and just treat it seriously Mm. that's really all I'm saying is like we need to treat this seriously something that I think is uh interesting is that something that the Washington Post got right 
<laughs> but kind of wrong. It was, it was just humorous, I guess, is they were saying how there are these exceptional school districts where the public school system is just great. And I'm going to quote this. It says this, this one woman, she spurned a high performing school system and she never gave her new town school a chance to meet, let alone exceed her expectations. And the reason why was because her eight-year-old at their last school had been shown a video on her phone by another eight-year-old of her father showering naked. (laughs) And so the woman pulled her child out of the school system, which makes a lot of sense. And yet they were saying, well, then she moved to a new district and there's these exceptional schools there and the lady didn't give them a chance. And it's like, well... Yeah, you got that right. Here's the deal. You're the, totally missing anybody, the point. Yeah, anybody that's like in the public school, <laughs> that's an apologist for the public school or that is an advocate of the public school, it's like you've had more than enough, oppor- you've had a, just an abundance of opportunity to prove your worth and to prove your value to both Christians and, and non-Christians. The public school? Yeah, the public yes. school. It's like you've you've got decades of great funding. You've got, I mean, homeschooling was illegal until like 40 years ago or something, wow, you know? And I so it's like, so they had, they, they, there's no grounds for the public school to be like, just give us a chance. You're not giving us a chance. It's like, well, okay, you've had a bigger chance than anybody that's ever, and that's ever lived. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it was just funny that they are pitting academics against this child's exposure to material that the mom didn't want her exposed to. And it's just like, well, that's not going to be a really helpful comparison because if Mm. she, you know, does get to calculus in eighth grade, (laughs) you know, it doesn't matter if she's being exposed to all this trash along the way. And um, so I really respect the mother, obviously, for doing that. And I think that more of us should be doing that. Something that they also mentioned was that schools are no longer the heart of communities in certain districts. And I think that this is actually a beautiful thing because instead of uniting around this paganism and yeah, the sports that are there and all those things, people are turning towards churches. Mm. And we see that in our community. Our church is exploding. The local churches here are all exploding. Yeah. All the Bible teaching, Bible believing churches are just growing so fast. And like, praise the Lord for that. As people are feeling fragmented and on the outs and leaving this pagan institution where it used to be this gathering hole for Mm -hmm. the community, they're going to churches. Gathering hole, yeah. Like a watering hole. (laughs) A watering hole and a gathering place. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All in one. (laughs) And um, I think that that's a really beautiful change yeah it's not that people don't need community it's not that it's healthy for them to be isolated but that it's going to they said um it's unfortunate that these groups are often clustering by shared ideology i think what a beautiful thing that people with shared ideology can get together that's exactly right and and they're they're they always painted as though the public schools got this diverse, open-minded approach yeah. to life, and we all know that's a lie too. They are. Uh, they I don't are know opposed. if everyone knows that's a lie. They are starkly opposed to our Creator and God. Like they are opposed to Jesus Christ. They are adversaries of They're open our to worldview. Any diversity outside of Christianity. Yeah, and and not even any. That's what's funny. It's like it got to be a very particular liberal, progressive, non-Christian, pagan you know, ideology. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and you know, it's Katie, it is so cool to see that just in our own community, what sports leagues that are, you know, springing up like founded by churches that are like quality, you know, yeah, like huge. just programs like and thousands of people. Yeah. And, and I'm just a fan of that. It's so fun to be able to go and participate in those, those type of activities. And you know, something that was blowing one of the guy's minds 
in the article, he's like, I like this is nuts. The personal cost that this is to families, you know, because a lot of times uh, you, people are one of the sp spouses is you know is quitting a job to educate their kids, um, and he goes, they're really having to restructure the whole order of their family. And I thought, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think that's a way that we should view it. When you try to have the same mindset of the parent that's dropping their kids off at, I don't know what time, 7.45 and then picking them up at, at 2.45 or whatever the, the schedule is and then bringing them to all the, the school activities, then you will have a, a challenge. You, you'll, you'll, you'll be challenged in thriving according to that schedule. But that's the beauty of reclaiming your family and retaking it, you get to restructure the flow of your home and the order in which you're doing things. And I think that you are able to set yourself up to be a lot more effective and to be a highly achieving family when you do restructure. And that's uh, something that I think you, you and I both marvel at is when people take their kids out of the public school and then they try to replicate it. They're like, okay, we don't want anything to do with maybe the peer influence. And so they take their kids out, they don't have the peer influence, and then they try to do the exact same thing calendar wise, schedule wise. And again, there, if there's something good to take from it, by all means take from it. But the whole point is, is we're going to think this educating our children thing from a whole new perspective. And I think we've got the ability to do that. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, when we were talking about diversity and really how there isn't necessarily true diversity in the public school system, you get different um, ethnicities then obviously are outside of your home because clearly we've all got the same genetics going on here. Yeah. Um, in North Idaho, you don't get a lot of racial diversity at all. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think that diverse, first of all, diversity is not just based on the color of your skin mm -hmm. or your sexual preferences mm -hmm. as basically they'd like to identify diversity as those exactly. two things. Yes. Um, but diverse worldviews, diverse viewpoints should be introduced to our children, but it's a beautiful place to be able to introduce them in our home to these diverse viewpoints all through a Christian worldview. Yes. Just because you are sharing, just because there are diverse concepts out there that do need to be shared in, with our children because this is the world that we are living in, they can all be done through a singular worldview. Yes. And that's what the public school system is doing yes. that they don't want to admit is they are introducing all diversity through a single worldview, which is anti-God. Mm -hmm. And we get to do the exact opposite here in our homes. Yeah. And I think that that's an incredible thing. They aren't just, kids aren't just exposed to diversity at school and they're able to, um, oh, it's totally, what are they... Like it's unbiased and yeah. they just get to choose for themselves what they think. And first of all, we shouldn't not be presenting. That's not presented to our children in public schools because there is an agenda behind it that mm. is singular. But then in our homes, we aren't called to present our children with all these different options and just pick from the smorgasbord what you want yeah. for your life and what you think is truth and right. what you think is healthy. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so bizarre. Again, like you said, the public school doesn't do that. But even if it did what it says it, it, you does, know, it wants yeah. to do, that would still be a stupid thing to do, too. Because as a parent, you don't sit here as Christian parents. The Bible commands us to teach our children what we what we believe, what he's taught us, the, to pass on our faith to our children, to teach them when we walk in the way and when we lie down at night, his precepts. And when you think of homeschooling your kid, you're like, okay, I'm just going to bring them into a neutral. And that's what people will say. They're like, 
well, I don't, I just want to raise my, I'm not going to train my kid to be anything. I just want them to become who they were meant to be or to yeah. like be their, their full self. And that's not what we're told to do as Christians. Cause we know that that doesn't actually exist. Somebody in something is going to train and influence and educate your children. And that's why it's a crazy privilege that we have as Christian parents to make that a Christian worldview. And it's an op, it's not just a privilege, it's an obligation and it's a responsibility to make it a Christian worldview, not to say, well, Hey, you know, I believe in one creator, God, you know, the creator of all things. And that through his son, Jesus Christ, I have salvation and eternal life because of his death, life, death, and resurrection. But you need to decide for yourself. There are countless religions out there and you need to come to your own belief and conviction about this. Or, you know, I, I am attracted to the opposite sex and that's why I married your mother. But that might not be the case for you. You need, you know, it's like, no, we teach we teach these things the way God designed them to be taught and to be lived out. And, uh, and we get to do that as Christian parents. And there's no confusion in that, or there's little confusion in that. There's so much clarity in that when you're teaching from the Bible, when you're teaching absolute truth, when you're letting scripture do its job, and then teaching diversity from the standpoint of one, we want our children to be able to engage with all people, to not judge people based off of anything because they all are in need of a savior or if they're Christians, praise the Lord. And we get to, um, you know, be kindred spirits yes. <laughs> with them for lack of a better term, but they also need to be able to go out and culture, know what they believe, be able to stand for what they believe, be able to know what the opposing view thinks so that they can, uh, rebut that viewpoint if it is against scripture and be able to influence culture. We're mm. raising culture influencers, mm. not people hiding scared from the culture. Yeah. We want them to go out into it, but an eight and nine and 10, and in a lot of cases, even a 14, 15 year old child, they are not prepared to go out and influence culture. The only, they're only a, you know, a blank slate to be able to soak up what is presented to them in those seasons. So I think even people that are pro our children uh, being ambassadors for Christ in a godless world, and they decide that the right age to do that is seven years old in a public school system. I'm sorry, but that's the wrong decision. Yeah. And not only are, is the individual not prepared and equipped to go be salt and light and to influence, they're not in a position to either. They, they are, you're choosing to put them as a subservient, to put them under the tutelage and the influence and the authority of a godless system, right? We want to ra raise kids in, in our home where we're the influence. It's God is, is ruling over our house. Jesus Christ is king of our home. That's who we serve. And then we're going to equip our kids to go be in positions of influence and not just to be prepared so that if, if so, you know, if so happens they're in a corporation where the boss is, you know, not a Christian, they're strong enough as an individual to be the Daniel, you know, so mm -hmm. to speak, or to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where it's like, okay, we know that they are going to stand firm in this situation, but I'm not going to willingly send, put my kid in Daniel and, and position. Mm -hmm. Like that's what people are doing. They're like, I'm going to go put you totally at the whim of a godless system. And anytime that happens in the Old Testament, it's like, that stinks. That's like Joseph being sent into Egypt. That was not like a, oh, that's so cool. He got to go be a missionary there. Of course, God used it, but that's not a template for how we are to live. And I mean, Daniel and Joseph weren't seven, eight, yeah, and they nine, weren't, ten yes, years old. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anyways, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, those are some things that I think are, I don't know, just stuck out to me. I know that, that a common, 
um, we always want to pull out the exception to the rule anytime we get defensive. I know I like to do this. And so we go, okay, what about the single mother, you know, and she can't educate her kids at home. She can't afford to send them to a Christian place to be educated. What do you do? And I think that you end up finding a way, um, because as someone that really blew all, all of my, all of my excuses or whatever, when it came to that was a woman that is in Elisha's hometown, all her children are raised now. And somehow as a single mother, she provided for them. She educated them all. She did an excellent job. I think she had a few that were dyslexic. Yeah. I don't know if they all were, but the majority of her children were dyslexic and she taught them exceptionally while managing provision for them too. And I'm not saying it was easy. I would pray that the church would step in and help Mm -hmm. that individual. I think that's the place for the church to step in. No doubt. Um, And I know that just knowing like our church, if a woman was in that position, I know there'd be various moms in our small group that would take those kids on and help educate them during the week if that's what this mother needed. Um, And so I do think that there's a place for the church to be what we're looking to the government to be. And, um, to be able to draw from those resources when we have a lack or a deficiency. Yes. And um, I, I definitely want to be one of those people that is available for those really tough situations where a person's feeling like they're in between a rock and a hard place and don't know what to do. Yeah. Choosing godless um, instruction never has to be the only option. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is just such an opportunity and it's it's a need that the church should be fulfilling and, and meeting and and then it also makes it obvious that you need to be a part of a be a part of a church mm-hmm. and and be plugged in on what yeah uh, just as 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 capable as you are of being plugged into a church it's so valuable yeah okay that's all i have i mean my next my next page is my to-do list for the day so i don't think we need to go down that yeah oh, do you have anything else that you want to share nope that's it boy i do feel like we had like a reversal of roles last episode you you your thoughts were leaving you and this <laughs> i tell you what yeah well i got up really early today because i was like i do not want that to happen it felt so weird to be sluggish in my brain uh, you did an exceptional job Mob, thanks to you i, I mean, enjoyed hearing from you i loved everything you said folks thank you all so much for listening we're excited to talk to you next week bye-bye bye bye